Thank you for choosing to listen to this message. At Coastal, we believe in changing and enriching lives through the power of the Word. We pray that this message would be a blessing to you. Hearts prepared. Hey, Henry. Hello. Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, I just want to welcome the live streamers that are with us. Um, I believe there's uh, family, uh, families from Michigan that are, that are watching because Brian and their family, they kind of mentioned, hey, we go to this church there. And they said, how do we get to listen? So they said, we can dial in online. So if you're watching, hallelujah from, from Flagler where we sit and wait for a potential storm where we don't know where it's going to go, but, um, but it's all good. Yeah. I've been here for 18 years, and we've never left for one storm, so, and, and we live to tell the story. Hallelujah. If God be for us, who can be against us? Barry just goes to sleep and says, well, I'm either going to wake up here or wake up with Jesus, so I'm, I'm good. It's me fretting about the trees and everything else that's flying around outside, but she doesn't fret nothing. Hallelujah. Year of God's goodness. Amen. Year of God's goodness. Romans 2, 4, at in the living says, do you see how wonderful, kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Have I seen that? Man, he has endless patience. Can't you see his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? That metanoia. I mean, Paul had to write it. He had to put it, pen it because Paul was that one. He was sincere, but was sincerely wrong. When he went on that road to uh, Damascus and he got swatted on the ground by the presence of the Holy Spirit, let me just want to tell you, when when a thousand volts hits ten volts, something's going to give. And it's not the ten volts it's going to give. That's why Paul, once Saul was on the ground, and when he heard the kind words, after he'd done all that he'd done, persecuted the church, got people killed and stoned, he had these kind words, Paul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I mean, I would have had some other precious words to say to Saul. But God, in his kindness, in his kindness, spoke to him and it just captured him, captured Paul and changed his heart. And he, he penned the words that is changing our lives about this kindness and this goodness. And so I want to continue to talk about that today. We started last week about talking about the goodness of his word, the goodness of his word. And, and there's just an emphasis to look at his word again. God is the God of his word. He's, he can go to the bank with his word. And uh, he can just say one word. And Peter walked on water. Just come. One word. And sometimes it's one word that, that God speaks while you're reading the scriptures or you hear somebody preach or you're singing these, these biblical songs. One word changes you. Because this one wrong thought, church, will stop you from having salvation. One wrong thought about God healing today and you'll walk around um, sick and thinking, well, this is, must be the will of God. You, you've got to understand, we've got to know what our thinking is doing. Is it lining up with God's thinking and one wrong thought and we're all messed up? You've got to understand in, in Numbers 23, 19, it's good that we get to hear this. It says, God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not a human, so he does not change his mind. Has he, has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever s- promised and not carried it through. As long as I've known the scriptures, I've watched God watch, watch over his word to perform it. And so the strategy of the enemy is to discredit the word of God. And so it comes with, did God really say? 
are, are you the son of God? If you are the son of God, he, he will continually sow doubt and, and, and unbelief into it. And so the, the intellectuals today are wanting us to believe that this Bible is just another piece of literature. And I said last week, yes, think it's on the equivalence of Shakespeare. I don't understand a word of Shakespeare. Firstly, I can't read that stuff anyway. That's why I can't read King James, because I mean, it doesn't make sense to me. Eh? I'm still trying to work on English, so it's, it's, not, it's, it's not working. And so you've got to realize the Bible is no ordinary piece of literature. It is the word of God. It's innate. It's infallible. And it's inspired. It's important that we approach how we approach the word of God. How we, how we personally agree with the Word of God. It's important that you understand that church, you could say, Holy Word of God. And uh, sometimes we just kind of water it down and, and we flip it and, and the Bible's this and the Bible's that. No, it's the Holy Word of God that God has been able to get to us on the pages so that we, and if you have the wrong approach and you're, you have the wrong attitude towards the word of God, then you're gonna have things like ha that happened with Jesus when he went back to his hometown. He could do no mighty miracles because of the unbelief. Because he was the, he was the carpenter. He's the boy that, that grew up in the area. I mean, so, and if you just kind of um, and, and water it down and, 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 and familiarize yourself and say, oh yeah, I've heard John 3.16. Man, I still find John 3.16 jumps off the page sometimes, and I said, I've never seen that word. I've never seen that word, and I've, I've, and I've read it so many times. But our approach is so critical. The reverence and the respect for the word of God needs to be in its rightful place. The author holds the right to its interpretation. The author, the, the one who inspired this. Remember, I told you last week, 66 books, and, and there are over 40 writers, but one author speaking through those 40 writers and it's over 1,500 years, and they can't discredit it, even with all the fancy modern technology. They couldn't even get to the moon without going there and realize God stopped the earth, and he moved it the other way. They had to, go, had to have somebody that went to, went to Sunday school in their, in, their, in their brilliance to work out the time. So it's still valid today as ever before. Truth be told that the Bible interprets us. It reads my mail. It locates me. That's what the Word of God does. It's like I told you that you may have a map and you may be happy that you got a map of an area, but unless you know where you are on that map, that map is of no use to you. Yeah. Until you find out that the Word of God locates you and reads your mail, you think you're okay. Until I find out, man, I am far from God, I'm a sinner, and I have missed the mark. And I realized this word had located me, but he also gave me a way out. He gave me a route out. And that's the important understanding. So the importance of the word of God is there. The word of God, Hebrew 4.12, I haven't got it up there. But you guys know that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, able to discern between spirit and soul, uh, bone and marrow, thoughts and the intent of our heart. If you have a look at that, that spirit, soul, and body, the, the Bible will, 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 is sharper than any two edged sword, locating all of us if we allow it to, if we approach it with that respect and with that reverence. It's important to understand that. So last week I spoke, and it, it's important, I just want to just say this, that it's important that we get this word of God. It's, there is a, an urgency in the spirit that we've gone, gone cold on the importance of getting the word of God in us. We've kind of just gone casual. And there is, it's not when, uh, if a storm comes, it's when the storm comes. And I, wanna, I, I tell you what, you do not want to be caught in a storm 
without your shutters and your water and your generator and everything else. No, without the word of God. There's a spiritual storm that, 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 that the enemy is pressing, trying to stop us, trying to, trying to neutralize us, trying to cancel us, whatever you want to word it. I tell you what, we, and we say, it is written. It is written. It is written. And we need to be able to talk to our subconscious, need to talk to everything that would, that would, would come against the word of God. But if you don't have a stand of where you are in the word of God, then you'll be pushed over. And we can't have that. And there's an urgency in the hour that we need to have a look at. So last week I spoke about the different words that describe the word of God. And we spoke about the bread, that the word of God is bread. That it's the bread of life. That we need our daily bread. We need to have bread that sustains us. And we need to understand what the true bread is. And that's Jesus. We need to understand that Jesus is the true bread. Today I want to have a look at God as, uh, the, the word of God is water. Water is it's, it's so much um, spoken about in the scriptures. And so when we, we look at uh, how long we can go without food, without bread, they say between 40 and 80 days. So the mics, the rods, the Jameses, we can, go, we can go 80 days because we've got a lot of spare. We can go 80 days. But there's some of you I'd like to pick out and you only will make 40, barely, because you don't have much to live on. So... Um, but I understand over the lips and on the hips. We understand that, you know. So, but water, 4 to 14 days, depending on the situation and where you find yourself. You can't go without water. The reason I'm speaking is that Christians are malnourished and they're dehydrated because they're not eating and drinking the Word of God. There is other things that are taking your, uh, taking your time. Psalm 105 Verse 40, the children of Israel talks about, and they asked for meat, and the Lord sent them quail. He satisfied their hunger with manna, bread from heaven, what we spoke about last week. He split open a, a rock, and water gushed out of to form a river through a dry wasteland. There is talking about bread, and it's talking about water. It's talking about a rock, and this rock I'm not going to hear myself, but there was a constant provision for the children of Israel. There was a fire, a pillar of fire by night to keep you warm. If you've ever been in a desert, it gets fairly chilly. If in the wilderness, it gets fairly chilly. If you haven't got cloud cover, it's chilly. Ask me as a military man, when we saw cloud cover, we think it's going to be warmish today, tonight. No cloud cover, it's going to be bitey cold. But there was a pillar of fire by night and a cloud to stop the blazing sun by day. There was manna every morning. And there was a rock that followed them that produced water. A million people, a lot of water. I don't even think about the sewerage, okay? I don't even think about that. It's a, question, a couple of questions I have to ask the Father, what, and I want to have a video replay. Exactly what that looked like, okay? Hallelujah. The Holy Bible is a spirit book. I want you to understand it's a spirit book authored by a spiritual author, for spiritual beings. We are the spiritual beings that we need to understand that, this, that the scriptures are for. To be scripturally, uh, spiritually discerned and has a spiritual meaning. So sometimes we're just looking at pages, pay, uh, words on a page, but there is a lot more to it. If you start understanding that we're a spirit being and when the, when the spirit of God, um, I heard it this last week, a zoom zoom word jumps off the page. You understand it started to affect your spirit, man, and, and it has an effect of you, on you. And believers must read the Bible. 
Because why? Because we're a spirit being. We have to read this, get this a spiritual source of food and water it comes from the word of God. And we need to read it because we're spiritual beings. The Apostle Paul gives us a look at the spiritual dimension of the Word of God. When he quotes in in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 2, it says, In the cloud and in the sea, all of them were baptized as followers of Moses. So you can just read that and think, oh, okay. But the similarity of where we are as believers and what the children of Israel, he brought them out of Egypt and took him 40 years to try and get Egypt out of them. A lot easier to get them out of Egypt than to get Egypt out of them. But they went through a journey like we as believers come out of the world. But then they were, we, we went through the sea, which is baptism. And many of us, including uh, um, um, Alex and Wendy, they all went, we went through water baptism on the beach. And lots of you have done that. And I did a wedding last week. And, and the bride wanted to get water baptized straight after. She said, I, I do. Messed up her curls and her makeup and everything else. But she didn't care. She wanted to have it on that, on that day. But I'm just saying, when he talks about the cloud, it talks about the Spirit of God. Cloud. And then he talks about going through the sea. It talks about baptism. And so he says, and it's um, um, going on, it says, yeah, and all of them ate of the same spiritual food. Because they all got up and they all ate manna. Why are they called manna? Manna is, what is this? That's what it translates as. What is this? <laughs> Manna burgers, manna pizza, manna pasta. Whatever you feel like it, that's what it was for the day. The manna, spiritual food. And all of them drank of the same spiritual water coming out of that rock. For they drank from the rock, from the spiritual rock that traveled with them. Have you ever read that before? Have you ever thought of water coming out of a rock and think, oh, well, there must have been a massive well underneath there and God just knew that and that's why he cracked the rock up. If the rock travels with you, that rock's producing water from a heart in a way because it just keeps producing water because it says here the rock traveled with them and the rock was Christ. You've got to understand that Christ is traveling with us. He never leaves us, never forsakes us. He's that water. Amen. Now there's a war against the word of God. Today, man, we have such speed and access to people's thoughts, opinions, and their arguments. I mean, before you can think about it, they have all these arguments and everything else, and it comes up on your devices, it comes up on the TV screen, it comes in everywhere, and it's a flood of words, church. It's a flood of words. And so when we're talking about the Word of God today, we have, what are we listening to? What are we giving our ear to? And we need to understand that. Um, and whose word are you believing? Isaiah 51, uh, 53, 1 says, whose report would you believe? Whose words would you believe? And we've got words coming at us every which way. And so we've got we to get a grip of it. And as water flows, so does the, the word flow. And so there is a word that uh, uh, the, uh, the word can be flooding. And you know, floods just bring disaster because it's just, it crushes everything in its sight. If you watch these floods all over, the, all over the, um, the world today, it's just bringing incredible devastation. There's a flood and it damages. Then there is a, a famine when there's no water flowing. That there's nothing of God, no life, nothing is happening. There is a famine. And then the word also can be a fountain. And I know that when I'm really thirsty and I come across a fountain there in the, in, in the shopping center, man, I'm just... So happy because I know it's chilled and it's, and it's thirsty and, and it's controlled and I can drink it. And so there's a, a flood and there's a famine and, and then there's, there's a fountain. And so we need to understand that there is a flow. And I want to just 
throw three thoughts out with you today before we close. And it says that Satan wants to flood us with lies. And it's a flood of words. A flood of words is going to come at you at every angle and every t- day and night when you're sleeping, when you're waking. It's got, there's a flood of lies that he wants to just, just get to you. And so that it, it, it may be a, a truth, but a slight twist of lie. That's what he does. Because if you're going to counterfeit something, church, you're not going to counterfeit a $9 note. <laughs> Are you? Because you're wasting your money if you're going to try and counterfeit that, okay? But you're going to counterfeit something that's so close to the real, but has a twist on it. That's what religion does. Religion does that and, and puts its own spin on it and puts its own emphasis on it. And so it can control and manipulate people. God doesn't do that. His love changes us, not manipulation. And so I want us to see there is an enemy coming headlong at us and, 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 and we are opening up the faucets and allowing them in. And so we need to make sure we can shut some of those faucets off. In Re- Revelations 12, and I'm going to talk about verse 9, verse 13, and verse 15. It says, the great dragon, the ancient serpent, called the devil, or Satan. All right, so if you don't understand, Revelation just covered it all in one shot there. I don't know what you heard about, but there, his name's the great dragon. He's also known as the serpent, the dude that, that deceived Adam and Eve way back there, the ancient serpent. Or he is devil, or he's Satan, but he goes by all those names. But he, and he's talking about that. The one deceiving the whole world was thrown down to the earth with all the angels. I love this part because I was reading it and I thought, hey, what? When the dragon realized that he had been thrown down to earth, it was a startling event for him. You read there. He suddenly realized I'm on earth. Because he was so full of himself in heaven, walking around, that I, if you, you read in Ezekiel and Isaiah, it talks about he, I will ascend above the throne of God. I will do this. I will do that. But before his thoughts were even cold, he woke up on planet earth. God swatted him out of heaven so fast with, with a third of these angels. He says, that's not happening in my house. And he cleaned house. And when the dragon realized he had been thrown to the earth, he pursued the woman who had, been, who had given birth to a male child. I'm not going to try and interpret everything. But I just want to tell you that. And then the dragon tried to drown the woman with the flood of water, the flood from his mouth. He couldn't spit the woman to death. The flood is words coming pouring out of, of, of the devil. Just lambasting every which way. And the church is right there. The enemy spews words out at us to destroy us, to discourage us, to drown us in despair. We've got to wake up and realize what our ear gates and our eye gates are doing. Because it's affecting us. It's affecting us. We have a flood of thoughts, a barrage of words. And they're all negative. And they're all doom and gloom. It's just coming at us 24-7. You're not going to make it. You're going to die early. Yes, diseases in my family. None of us made it past 50. I'm, I'm married to the wrong person. I've got the wrong job. I'm in the wrong church. Hmm. Jesus is a myth. God is punishing me for my sins. Lie, lie, lie. Your lips are moving and you lie, lie, lie. You've heard a song like that's called that, hey? The devil's lips are moving and he lies, lies, lies. 
You've got to just stand up because it's paralyzing us, it's neutralizing us, it's causing fear in us. I watched this and Val and I watched this in 1986. We were up in Minneapolis, Minnesota. We landed in Tulsa, spent a couple of months there and went up to Minneapolis, Minnesota and we were with a ministry there. And I woke up this morning and you know that music when it, it brings an alert on TV. Alert. There may be a third world war because we bombed Libya. I don't know why you guys bombed Libya, but you bombed Libya. <laughs> Libya is some little country up on the north of Africa. How on earth can you equate that little country causing a third world war? Yeah, we as Rhodesia, which is a fraction of the size, we'll take on countries bigger than Libya. How about Israel? Takes on bigger. I don't know, but by the time the media had got to 8 o'clock in the day, he had us, everybody panicking and saying, oh, we better, we better store up food because this is the end. This is Armageddon. This is all, oh, good Lord, man. Media, shut your mouth. Church, shut your ears for that junk. Wow. Anyway, so I just saw it. I just saw it, the paralyzing effect that it have happened on us. The main enemy has, has us so brainwashed, and he's continually brainwashing us. There's this propaganda. You know how propaganda works. We used to use it, drop pamphlets in the area, and they would be reading it. And, and man, this word came from the sky, and these native people, and they're reading it, and they're thinking, wow, this is really so. Propaganda will continually pound you and get you to believe. And eventually, it is a fact in your life. Meantime, it's a whole lot of junk. How about the king in waiting, David? Anointed as a young, young shepherd, had the opportunity, um, uh, was told by the prophet he was going to be the king. How long did he have to wait? What did he have to do? He had to get through all. I mean, King Saul didn't ha had it in for him. He had, a, he had to be fast and dodgy. I mean, he had to dodge a couple of spears that the king threw at him. I mean, he really had, he had the Philistines talking bad about him because he took out their, their hero, Goliath. I mean, he had um, the people that were siding with Saul talking bad about him. So he, you talk about, and he didn't have an internet those days. He didn't have email coming to every time I open the email and saying, okay, what are we going to get today? We didn't ha he didn't have that. And here in Psalm 69, 1 through 2, it kind of gives you a glimpse of what he was. Save me, O Lord, for the floodwaters are up to my neck. I never heard any, anywhere in the stories of any stories that David fell into a river or fell into some water. He's talking about something else here. He says, deeper and deeper I sink into the mire. I can't find my footings. I am deep in the water and the flood overwhelms me. He's talking about this whole oppressive thing of, of people against him. And, uh, and so we get desperate and, and, and our mindsets get so desperate because we're flooded with bad news, with bad news on health and bad news on relationships and bad news and finances. We have all these bad news coming to us and we don't have enough good news to sort us out. And we find ourselves discouraged and, and down in the... So what are we giving our ear to, church? What are we giving our ear to? Because it's affecting us. And David instinctively responds when he is caught in this despair. He cries out in, in 69 verse 14, Rescue me from the mud. Don't let me sink any deeper. Save me from those who hate me and pull me from this, these deep waters. Don't let the floods overwhelm me or the deep waters swallow me or the pit of death devour me. He cries out to a God who is more than enough, a God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all. And we recognize, we must recognize the enemy has entrapped me in my mind. 
has, has, has sown a lie and I've, and I've bought it hook, line, and sinker. I've taken it and we need to deal with it. We need to recognize it and we need to say, I need to renew my mind in this area. It is not true. And some of you say, where do I start? Come to Bible school. It's free. Sit there. Come here Wednesday. I mean, Barry is just delivering the, uh, the gospel of John and I sit right there. Why? Because I'm not immune to this. The same stuff hits me. The same stuff. I'll be driving down the road and I've told you before, suddenly a thought comes and, 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 and I just say, no. If I was in the car, I'd get the fright of a life. So what the heck's going on with you? <laughs> or I'm, I'm walking the car. No. I cannot accept these things because I know the truth. The truth sets you free. And if you agree with it, Bible says we do agree touching anything. Oh, there's such power there. So come on, church. Let's get our minds thinking. Uh, God, our hearing. And, and where are you fellowshipping? Where are you fellowshipping, church? We need to fellowship at the right place where we get the, the, the right reservoir to fill us. That's where we need to. And man, it's some great stuff happening around, uh, around the body of Christ. And they, it's got good news. And the biggest battle you're ever going to have, church, is right between your ears. Yeah. The battle is in your mind. And if you don't get the stinking and the stinking thinking sorted out, you're going to be miserable. You're going to drag your lip and look like you're baptized in pickle juice. And you're going to go down. <laughs> Hallelujah. Church, don't let a bird can land in your head. Don't let it nest there, church. Don't let it nest there. Because if you do, that starts affecting your whole life. Thoughts are neither right nor wrong, church. It's what we do with our thoughts. So when the thought comes... Rod shouts out, no. That's what I do. I don't know what you want to do, but you do whatever you do. But Proverbs 4.23 says, God your heart's for uh, above all else for it determines the course of your life. God the words you hear. Discern what God is saying. Discern what Satan is saying. And discern what we are saying. Because we can say some dumb stuff as well. And it's also us. What well, devil's doing this? No, it's just your stupid thinking. That's all it is. <laughs> See, God talks in Revelation 3, 22 says, anybody who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit of God is saying. And God is talking to us all the time. But have we got our antennas up there? No, no, we've got our antennas somewhere else on cable news or somewhere else. That's where we've got it. Satan's talking. He'll talk to you with thoughts. He'll talk to you with, with people coming into your lives. He'll talk to you on the devices. He'll talk to any which way you can let him go. He will let you. And I have to, I have to filter it all the way through and say, how does that relate to the Word of God? Yeah. Nah, bap. You're the weakest link. Not, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> goodbye. Yeah, Peter, man, he tells Jesus, "You're the Christ, the Son of the Living God." Three verses or two verses later, he's now start, trying to stop Jesus from going to the cross, and Jesus said, "Get behind me, Satan." You can be mightily used of God and mightily used of the devil. But what are we siding with? Oh, and we talk. Psalm 14:1. I looked at that and it says, "Only fools say in his heart." There is no God. I tell you what, we've got, this, we've got this, this, this whole communication happening inside us. In fact, you talk to yourself out of 1,200 words a minute, and most of it is negative. You've got to get that right. You need to know that you're a king's kid, and you better speak nicely to yourself. Hallelujah. Has your mouth got you into trouble? I say amen. My mouth has got me into trouble. I have spoken before I have thought. And so... 
we just need to be wise about that. Proverbs 18.4 says, Wise words are like deep water. Wisdom flows from the wise like a bubbling brook. 18.21 says, The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap its consequences. <laughs> Let your words be few. Hallelujah. But if you are talking... It can be a blessing because if you're siding with the word of God, it's great. And I've heard, I mean, I can hear some people, man, they've got just scripture coming out. Uh, um, but you can't be weird, okay? Just don't be weird, church. There's some people that are just absolutely spiritual weird. So, so it means I can speak God and I can speak Satan. I can speak both those languages because it's what's, what am I agreeing with? What's our heart speaking? Because it comes out of our mouth. Make sure your words are sweet because you may have to eat it sometime. Make sure your words are sweet. What defeats a flood of ungodly words? Isaiah 59, 19 says, And when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. And you say, it's written. It's written. I don't know what you're thinking or what you're saying. And Jesus had to do it three times in the wilderness. It is written. It is written. Because he stood on the Word of God. Not Shakespeare or anything else. He stood on the Word of God. Not what the, what the rabbi said. No, the word of God. That's what you've got to stand on. So the first one is Satan wants to come in like a flood. And I kind of did a lot. That was a lot. But I'm going to be very short now. Two next two points. And Satan wants you, to, uh, you wants you in a famine. Man, if he can keep you away from the word of God, away from the fellowship with the word of God, away from uh, fellowshipping with God's people. Man, and COVID did a good punch to that keeping away from fellowship and then you get all down and miserable because you're only with your own company. Oh God, have mercy. Get away and get some light from somebody, okay? Because, I mean, we've got all these things distracting us, the devices, the busyness, the appetites, the excuses, why I can't go to church. But Amos 8, 11. I haven't read that. Can't remember when. But the time is surely coming, says, says the sovereign Lord. When I will, I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread or water, but a, of hearing the word of the Lord. So even God can set up the stage that there will be a famine on not hearing God's word. And he said that because it took place between Malachi, the Italian prophet Malachi, and the, the, last, book, the last book of the Old Testament and the, New, and the New Testament. Between that flip of that page... 400 years of total silence. And Amos announced it there. I'm going to be quiet. Why should I talk to people that don't listen? Why do I talk to people that don't hear? Why do I talk to people that will not obey? But we are living in a blessed age where God is speaking. God is talking. God is available 24-7. And we have access to that. And man, we have the quickening of the Holy Spirit to bring us enlightenment of the Scriptures. We have lived in a rich place. Not like the guys before Jesus. They didn't have Holy Spirit like we have Holy Spirit. Man, and here we are, sleeping at the wheel, when we can do so much more and so much better. Hallelujah. The parable of sowing the Word in Mark 4 and verse 14 the farmer plants the seed by taking God's word to, an, to others. The seed that fell on the, on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come and at once and take it away. And I thought, what? How can Satan remove the word of God immediately? I'm a born again believer. He has no right. Well, 
What gives Satan the right to take the word of God from us? How can the word of God get planted in my life and it gets snatched away just immediately? It says here, immediately it got snatched away. Because when we get to start speaking against the word of God, immediately it gets snatched away. That's, if Satan can get us to disagree with the word of God, immediately it's of no void. It becomes a null and void. Immediately it gets removed from our heart. So we've got to make sure how, how we agreeing with the word of God. Because I can say, listen, I don't understand that, but I'm going to keep it on the shelf. And Holy Spirit, when I have got the common sense to understand that, I'm going to pick it up again. But I'm not going to say, oh, that's a lot of junk. Man, that contradicts itself. Or it straight away it nullifies the word of God. Oh, healing passed away with the apostles. That thought, boom. God says, fine. You're not agreeing with my word. Immediately Satan has given you an excuse to say no to my word. So you got, we got, we got to run a filter and say, I'm not going to disagree with the word because it's going to get snatched out. Val and I were, were part of witnessing the incredible, in fact, it affected a whole nation about a conversation that took place in one church service that Val and I were in. We were with our, um, the pastors in, 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 uh, in the church in Zimbabwe, and uh, this young prophet, 19 years old at the time, had an experience, and, and, and God took him to heaven when he was eight years old, and he wrote a book called I Saw Heaven. At 16, he was choking awake with the, the Trinity singing him happy birthday. His grandmother was a Pentecostal that pegged his trouser pants to her knee and prayed until the presence of God came into her room. So he's 19 years old. He has to leave Uganda a week early to come to us because he's scheduled to speak to us in Zimbabwe. And so he comes to our Sunday service and he sneaks in at the, at the back. And the pastor's wife sees him because she's leading worship and says, Brother, do you have a word for the church? <laughs> and he walks up and he's had these, uh, these preaching shoes on. You know, these preaching shoes that you can hear the heels. It's like guys that have got cowboy boots. You can always hear that somebody's got a cowboy boot on when you walk and you can hear them. Uh, it's like horse clatter. Anyway, they I hear him coming up and he stands. He's standing in front of the pulpit like this. And uh, he actually, like this, he had the stance. And he says, the word of God I have for this is not for the people that stand before me, but for the two that stand behind me. And he's pointed to the past and the wife. And he proceeded to say that we are at the crossroads and that there was decisions to be made. And this is what the Spirit of God was encouraging and deciding and, and steering. And, uh, and the next day, the youth pastor came and says, how can you let a 19-year-old whippersnapper talk to you like that? totally ignoring the gift of God that was on this man. And the, and the pastor agreed with him. And then words came out their mouth saying, look what we've done when the church became the biggest church in the city. And sadly enough, a lot of devastation took place because the church was set to influence the nation and the government. And, and the, they voided the word, neutralized the spoken word. The word was snatched. Just imagine Mary saying, Angel, I don't believe you. No Messiah. None of us here. But she said yes and agreed with the word of God. Right, Rod, fly through the last point. Jesus wants us filled 
If he wants to pour water, man, he wants to gush it into us and he wants to fill us up. And so remember, the Bible is spiritual and God was, we are spiritual beings. And Jesus said, the words that I speak are spirit and they're alive. That's what we say here, John 66, 63. It says here that the words that I speak are spirit and they're alive. Paul tells the Corinthians how he gets to write the truth of, of the word. He says this in, in 1 Corinthians 2, 13. And when we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. In, instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. You understand that when he wrote almost two-thirds of the New Testament, he, he spoke under the influence, the author, the Holy Spirit, and that's how we got to understand it, that when, when we, 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 Jesus wants us to be filled with this because it's been anointed by God. Proverbs 4, um, King Solomon, one of the wisest men that ever lived, he says, my children pay attention to what I say, what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart and, and, bring, and they will bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. It's something about investing the Word of God in you. I mean, there's stuff that we listen to where you can just listen to the Word of God. You can listen to worship songs. It, it's, it's amazing how much Scripture you can remember in a song. And so listen to it because it's important. It has eternal value in our lives, and it has a, eternal consequences in our lives. And so when we look at Scripture, there is a natural part of Scripture talking about history, talking about life, talking about things that's going on, but there is a spiritual connotation that we need to believe that by the Holy Spirit, He'll quicken it to us, and you, that, that we'll have these zoom-zoom moments popping off the page. I mean, the, the poor Samaritan woman um, had trouble trying to track with Jesus when she was speaking, and Jesus says, hey, I... I, I um, Jesus says, please, can you give me a drink of water? That's natural. And so in, in, uh, I'm talking about John verse four, uh, chapter 4, verse 9. It says, and why are you asking me for a drink? This is the Samaritan woman talking naturally. And Jesus replied, if you knew the gift God has for you, talking spiritual, has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask him, I, and he would give you rivers of water, living water. He's talking spiritual. He says, man, woman, if you understood, the Son of God is standing before you. The one who was right in the beginning in the creation. The one who, who saw God speak into being. The word that became flesh and dwelt among us. That is the one that's speaking to you. And she turned around and says, but sir, you don't have a rope and a bucket. <laughs> she back into the natural. So church, when we're reading the scriptures, let it be that word, that zoom zoom word that jumps off the page because it's transforming. I've got to close and, and, and leave you with this. Ephesians 5, 20 to, uh, 26, it says, Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for, for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the, the cleansing of God's word. Man, God, it's, he wants us to wash ourselves with the word of God. I've seen the, at, at, at kids' church and stuff, you take a glass of dirty water and, and you say, how do I get this dirty water clean? And this comes with a big, huge jug of fresh, good, clean water and you just keep pouring it. And it bubbles out and eventually by just pouring in the good, pouring in the clean, pouring in the pure water, it eventually you see the glass become clear. That's what God's saying. Put this pure and have a bath. Take a bath, please, church. That's what you need. Take a bath. Hallelujah. All right.
few minutes over time, but Isaiah 55, I've got to close with this because it declares the goodness of his word. The rain and the snow come down from heaven and they stays in the ground to water the earth. They cause the, gr the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It all, and, and will accomplish all I want it to do. And it will prosper everywhere I send it. You gotta understand this word, will, this word will prosper within your life. As it's on your mouth, as it's in your life, as it uh, deter, de, uh, dictates and determines where you go. This word is what it does. So Satan wants to flood us with lies. He wants to famine us, uh, cause a famine in our lives, but Jesus is, wants us to be filled with his goodness and his grace and his love and his kindness and his word. So hallelujah. Amen. 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 Let's pray.